This is the weekly podcast from Spotswood at Ladysmith in Caroline County, Virginia, USA. Today's sermon is shared by church elder Jonathan Morrow. Dear God, you are a your holy God. God, I come to you and before I even start the sermon and just say, Lord, I, I do not pray the way I should pray. God, I pray that you will move in the hearts of the lost. You'll move in the hearts of the believers to have an urgency and a desire to refocus our lives into prayer. God, I pray that you will use me as a vessel for you to preach your word and only your word. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Good morning, Ladysmith. How are we doing? If you could not tell today by the video we just watched, um, we're going to look at the importance of prayer and how it affects our lives and propels, propels our mission mandate. Our hope today is that this is not just a one-off sermon that grasps your life for the moment. No, no, the big idea, the big idea that we always talk about at this church before every sermon, it, it's kind of what is the, the reason behind why we're speaking. And today it's this, it's that prayer will become embedded into our existence and will begin to define us as individuals and as a body of believers, the body that is around us here today. For those of you who happened to be here last Sunday, how awesome was it if you were here? On this stage, we had four of our own members of the congregation, and we got to hear how God was using them to impact the kingdom locally and then internationally. Look, look around us. I mean, we're in a room, we're in a school cafeteria, we're not a mega church. But that's what's beautiful. See, God uses ordinary people to carry out his mission. No matter their level of biblical education, the only thing that he asks is that we love and have a heart for the Savior and we love the lost. As Lisa so eloquently put it last week, she said this, she says, I have the word and the Holy Spirit, I don't need anything else. This week, uh, the text I want to start with is found in Colossians. Colossians 4, verses 2 through 6. If you can open that with me or use your iPhones to get to it. Colossians 4, beginning in verse 2, devote yourselves to prayer keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving, praying at the same time for us as well that God will open up to us a door for the word so that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ for which I have also been in prison, that I may make it clear in the way I ought to speak. Conduct yourselves with wisdom toward outsiders, making the most of the opportunity. Let your speech always be with grace as though seasoned with salt, so that you will know how you should respond to each person. Paul understood the need for prayer and the importance it had in everything that he did. Just the same as the theme that you found on stage last week, every one of our people that spoke said that the driving force behind their missions was prayer. Their mission locally started with prayer. Internationally, it started with prayer. Throughout the process, it was bathed in prayer, and only because of prayer did God work. 
See, I also believe that Paul understood that in the end, we must come to the understanding that in order to create an urgency for prayer and sustain the desire in our lives and in the church, we must understand two things, two things that are critical. The first thing is this, that we are at war. And the second thing, that our God is sovereign and he is in control all times. He's never been out of control. He never will be out of control. Paul, when he was writing to the son, to his son in the faith, Timothy, toward the end of his life, Paul said these words. He says, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, and I have kept the faith. In 1 Timothy, Paul once again is writing to Timothy, and he says this, Timothy, fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life to which you were called. To the church of Ephesus, Paul once again writes this. He said, we are not contending against flesh and blood, but against principalities. Against the world rulers of this present darkness, against the spiritual host of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take the whole armor of God. In other words, once again, life is war. We are in war. You are battling something in this room, we all look like we've got these beautiful faces on and our lives are put together, but you are warring against something. The person next to you is warring against something, and if you're not, you will be. And the church as a whole, if we are pushing back darkness, are in a battle. But here lies the problem for most Western churches is we don't believe we're at war, or we don't want to acknowledge it for fear of losing control of our comfort. We end up treating every day like we're in peacetime. This is for me too, so if I start getting antsy, it's because it's me. But see, in, in wartime, our conversations change, our motives change, and our prayers change. I, I, think, I think back, I love history, I think back and I look at the iconic pictures of the home front during World War II. Who wasn't involved? The kids are involved, right? The older generation's involved. You can't go to the movies without seeing a pre-video of what's going on overseas, and we all came together for the mission to defeat the enemy. We were all engaged. And see, I've been to churches where they use prayer to set up the band in order to have an easy transition. It almost seems like it's more important to look good than to petition, petition God for the lost. What is happening? Peter writes in 1 Peter 5, 8, he says this, he says, be sober-minded Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Does that sound like an environment that is safe, that is kind, that is comfortable? Of course it doesn't. The apostles taught and understood that spiritual warfare was real and the ever-present danger of the enemy exists. If we continue to read the passage from Ephesus that Paul wrote, it says this, to stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as your shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take on the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is in the word of God. Listen to this, verse 18. Praying when at all times in the spirit with what? In supplication to that end, keep alert with all perseverance. See, it's not our choice to be in a spiritual war. We were born into it. Our children will be born into it. Your parents were born into it. 
And God has ordained prayer as the communication by which the weapons of warfare are deployed according to the sovereign will of God. We don't get to choose when we do it. We don't get to choose the impact of it. God does. But God uses prayer to make that happen. See, prayer was designed for this war, for spiritual warfare. I look at the the things we just read in in Ephesians, and, and I see that each one of those articles, nothing is defensive in nature. It's all attacking. Shields, we may think about as a defensive posture, but if you lock shields together, you move them forward against the enemy. You continue to advance. John Piper said this, and I wrote it down. I think it's amazing. He says, the number one reason why prayer malfunctions in the hands of the believer is that they turn a wartime walkie-talkie into a domestic intercom. If we don't teach and preach that we are at war, the urgency of prayer and the danger of abandoning prayer will make no sense to believers, and prayer will find no resonance in our hearts. When we understand prayer, once again, as the missionary Ruth Paxson said this, she says, prayer works. Prayer is work. Prayer leads to work. In fact, prayer is the hardest thing you will ever do. Why do, why do I lack or give up on prayer so often? It's because it's hard. And I don't value it the way I should. How hard is it in an instant? I mean, I... I watch Netflix. I, know, I love having the opportunity to just watch whatever I want, whenever I want, without commercials. We live in an instant gratification society. And so when my prayers aren't answered in a two days, I think I've done my due diligence. When I was studying for this, I was reading about people who prayed for people groups their entire life. And guess what? Nothing happened. But then I see where people pray for someone for a day and God radically saves their life. It's not my timetable. I am just called to pray and it is hard to pray when nothing happens in front of you. But my commander told me to pray. This is a wake-up call to me and I really hope it's a wake-up call to us. And I've come to realize I do what I believe and everything else is just religious talk. We must also understand that God is sovereign. Until we embrace this thought, we cannot pray that God would actually save lost sinners. See in Acts 16, 13 through 15, it says this. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate along the river where it was customary to find a place to pray. After sitting down, we spoke to the woman who was gathered there. Among those listening was a woman named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth in the city of Tiretha, who was a worshiper of God. Listen to what the Lord did. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message, and when she and her husband had been baptized, she urged us, if you consider me a believer in the Lord, come and stay in my house, and she persuaded us. In Luke 24, I had the privilege to preach that a couple weeks ago. Uh, It says this, he opened the disciples' eyes on the road to Emmaus, In 45 of the same chapter, the Bible says he opened their minds to understanding the scriptures. My Messiah has the power to save, and I believe this is crucial to maintain a heart of missions in order to mobilize the movement of missions. See, we often overlook or forget that in Hebrews chapter 11, the God that people people of faith served is the very one that we serve still. James 5.17 says this. It says that Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And he played, prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on earth for three months and six, three years and six months. 
So here it comes. When you, when you pray, guys, your prayers are heard by the same God who answered Moses' prayer for water in the desert, the God who gave Abraham and his barren wife a son, the God who made the slave Joseph second in power only to Pharaoh, the God who was petitioned by Elijah, and the God who Jesus Christ prayed to in the Garden of Gethsemane. Let let me remind each of us that one of the core values at Ladysmith is this, it's fervent prayer, it's crying aloud. It's our desire to prioritize individual and corporate prayer out of our desperation for God to advance his kingdom. Not my kingdom, not our kingdom, not the size of this church, but what God will do in the hearts of people who are lost. You, I thought that, do we pray like that? You, I thought that the second time that I have a chance to speak in front of you guys, that it would be easier. Lord have mercy, it's not. <laughs> and it's not any easier when you have a topic like this if you approach it like this. As I'm writing and hearing these people, that, I mean, you go to the well and I go to the people I want to listen to and get notes from and I just see their prayer life that is just, it's like, where do you start? But do we pray like we mean it? And do we pray like we're at war and God can change our lives? Or do we pray like someone who is asking a genie for wishes with the goal of our lives being made easier and our earthly desires met so that we can have our best life now? What are we really praying for? For me, when I, when I pray, when I pray for two minutes, I think I've hit a record. I, I was reading stories of people, this was one that caught my attention, he, this man was found dead in his room, and, and when they found him in his room, they started to prepare him for, for burial, and as they were washing his his body, they noticed these two massive calluses on his knees, and they said, worn the wood down in prayer. When they saw two engraved marks next to his bedside, where he'd worn the wood down in prayer. A church, I think this is a lost art in the church, in the moment that you hear of a church having a prayer night or a prayer time, we think they have hit the lottery, and they are just on fire for God, and praise God we're doing that. But I almost feel if it doesn't continue on, it's like walking onto a cancer ward, ward and the person who's got cancer looks at another cancer patient and goes, well, I'm not as sick as him, so I'm healthy. Guys, God did not design prayer to be a night. It did not design prayer to be a season. It be, God designed it to be part of our lives embedded in what we do. See, our church lives and moves and needs to begin in prayer. No man is greater than his prayer life. These are great quotes, but think about it. It's not the money, not the business, not the people you you know. It is your prayer life that matters. Cotton Mather once described John Elliott. He was ministering to Indians in Massachusetts, and he says this about John. He said, John says this. He goes, prayer and pains through faith in Jesus Christ will do anything. Prayer and pains. One missionary what did Ruth say? Prayer is hard work. It's the hardest work you'll ever do. We're going to be moving into a special time for our church. Um, the remainder of this time, we're going to be spending corporate and individual prayer. 
something a little different, but something vital. I've asked five people to pray corporately, and between each prayer, there will be a time for individual prayer and reflection. I've asked Adam Gilhart to pray for ourselves and our, for our families. You want to talk about warfare? Man, will Satan love to destroy a family? Man, would he love to get that man and that woman fighting? I've asked Ronnie to pray for this church, for this community, for the surrounding communities. The grace that God has showed us in this community and the school system is amazing. We need to continue to pursue that and push back darkness here. I've asked Jeff and Pam to, to pray over international missions and what that looks like and how we can be effective there and for all the people around this world that are lost and do not know you. And finally, Rick will be closing up the service, talking us through the upcoming 21 days of prayer and fasting. Um, this was a thing that happened on about Thursday as I was preparing for this sermon. I, I walked to my brother and I said, man, I've got these good ideas. I want to keep talking. And I said, the problem was is that I guess I just need to confess my pride about this. Uh, <laughs> I contemplated like calling back to people I'd asked to pray and say, hey, listen, I don't really need you all to pray. I just need two. Because I thought I had more important things I needed to say and more important quotes I needed to tell you in a prayer service than just to pray. I thought I could teach you more than what God could teach you through prayer. That is, just praise God for the conviction he put and thank you for breaking my heart and refocusing my eyes, God. Remember, the disciples had a request of Jesus. Remember the request? I think we all know what it was, but if, if we don't, I'll say it. They said, Lord, will you teach us to pray? Will you teach us to pray? They saw the importance in his life for prayer, and they wanted it. They wanted to know it. If you go back and you fast forward, we'll, we'll be walking through Acts. You're going to see that the disciples sat in the upper room, and they did what their Savior told them, and that was they prayed, and they prayed, and what is prayed until the Holy Spirit was given back to the disciples, because that's what God commanded to do. What does Paul do? Paul is praying. What does Peter do? He's praying. What is every one of the disciples teaching their disciples to do? It's to pray. Lord, teach us to pray. God, give me, give me a heart for prayer and a desire to use what you have designed to further your kingdom. Lord, give us a desire for grace and for truth. Not one over the other, but for both. One over the other is dangerous, but combined in a beautiful marriage, grace and truth is the perfect picture. Help us to strive to more look, look more like Jesus every day, Lord. I want to close with this quote before we move into a time of prayer. And it's, it's by Charles Spurgeon. He once said this, and I couldn't help but kind of just pause and get a little emotional when I read it and I heard it. But it was this, if sinners be damned, at least let them, let them leap to hell over our bodies. If they will perish, let them perish with our arms wrapped around their knees. Let no one go there unwarned and unprayed for. What does he say? Let no one go there unwarned and unprayed for. That is what we have been called to do. Ladies and gentlemen, we are at war 
And God, help us to pray. Lord God, 2 Timothy 3.16 states, All scripture is breathed out by God. Jesus teaches about the scripture in John 10.35, and I love the multiple translations. The scripture cannot be broken. It cannot be altered. It cannot be set aside. So God, it is from the divinely inspired, unbreakable, unalterable, infallible, and unavoidable scripture that I draw from as I pray for the children, families, and homes of Caroline today. Lord God, in the wonderful diversity of people in this room and throughout the whole of Caroline is a central and unifying fact, and it is the truth of Romans 3.23, and I love the New Living Translation, which tells us that for everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. So clear is this truth in my life and the life of everyone here today, if we're honest. We acknowledge this truth together, and we confess our sin before your holiness. And in so doing, we prepare our hearts to prayerfully approach your throne of grace with a heart of confession and repentance this morning. For our children, Lord God, in your words, Psalm 127.3, again in the New Living Translation states, children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from him. May we remember, Lord, that these, the gifts that these children personify, they are not random occurrences, but they are the result of your sovereign and specific will. Lord, you knitted each child in each womb, in each family, intentionally and specifically. You led each foster child into each home intentionally and specifically. You oversee every adoption intentionally and specifically. Lord, you orchestrate your will intentionally and specifically with each life, with each child that you let into this world. Understanding this reality, Lord God, may we take ever so seriously the commands of Scripture as we lead and guide these children in their relationship with you. Fill our hearts with an overwhelming desire to live out the commands of Scripture God, break down the high places in our hearts, the distractions, anything that would keep us from a total surrender and commitment to you. In Deuteronomy 6, 6, Lord, you instruct us to hold your commands on our hearts. God, I pray that as parents, guardians, grandparents, relatives, friends, neighbors, that we would work to commit through the working of the Holy Spirit, your commands to our hearts so that we may be effective in carrying out your word. You continue in Deuteronomy 6-7, where you instruct us to teach these commands diligently to our children, to talk about them when we sit and when we walk and when we lie down and when we rise. Father, in this verse, you make it so clear what role Scripture should play in our lives. You tell us here that at all times, sitting or walking, whether still or in motion, awaking or reclining for bed, God, we are to navigate this world perpetually meditating on your word as the source of our wisdom. God, would you please consume our hearts and make this a priority for us all? God, protect the children of Caroline. Equip us to lead them to you, that they may embrace the future of your church 
and lead it toward a generational change and revival unseen in our nation for far too long. For our families, Lord God, I pray that our families would find the contentment that can only be found through the Holy Spirit, contentment that is possible through Christ who gives us strength, as Philippians 4.13 tells us. In a, culture that, in a culture that reminds us of what we do not have, in a culture that tells us it is unfair if we don't have what our neighbor does, in a culture that tells us to always seek more, may we desire to find contentment, fulfillment, and joy in what you've entrusted to us in our time with one another, with our spouses, with our children, with our families, neighbors, and friends. Lord God, govern our desires Guard our hearts. Would you turn them to you so that in the agape love of Christ, we may love one another in your example. And our families, may we forgive, encourage, protect, and love one another. Lastly, Lord, for our homes. Now, God, this, this prayer might sound good, and I hope it does but it is merely a collection of spoken words. May our homes work together to achieve all that is prayed over here today. In a world that tells us to man up and to be strong, may we realize that the path to relationship with you is not standing tall in false bravado, but on our knees in brokenness. It is not through professed strength, but confessed sin. It is not through condemnation of others, but patient forgiveness and love. May we model your love for the church in our homes, living sacrificially for one another, putting the needs of, of others before ourselves, knowing that our family are certain, but always forgivable in love. All of this, Lord, we know is only possible through the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. So then I close here today, Lord ushering in a minute of silent prayer when I'm done. I encourage us all to, as Paul instructs us in 2 Corinthians 13.5, to examine ourselves to see whether we are in the faith, to test ourselves. Lord, we easily, if not embarrassingly, admit our sin. But may we test ourselves to ensure we've confessed Jesus as Lord of our life. If we have, May we embark on this journey of fasting and prayer in love and anxious expectation. If we have not, may we start a life-changing journey today with Christ as our Lord of our life and the Holy Spirit as our strength. In Jesus' name I pray. Lord, I just pray that we be reminded of the blessing that it is to be able to have the honor, honor of praying, Lord. Lord, I pray that we have our hearts filled with just reverence of you, because um, I truly believe that when we see you for who we are, who you are, Lord, it, it's just almost ridiculous to think that we wouldn't want to pray to the God who created the universe, Lord. Lord, we just thank you so much for uh, the word that Jono just brought to just remind us that we are at war, Lord. As he brought up the armor, armor of God that Ephesians speaks about, it doesn't speak of any armor on the back, Lord. Lord, I pray that that be a reminder to, to us that we are to charge intentionally into battle, Lord. Lord, 
Um, I just pray that our hearts break so much for what breaks yours, Lord. Lord, I pray that as we go about our everyday lives within this community, Lord, that our eyes be um, open to the many needs that exist within this community, Lord. Lord, I pray that we will, Lord, I pray the good Samaritan and not the other ones who just pass blindly by. Lord, I pray that we just, we are just willing to be uncomfortable and inconvenienced for you, Lord. Lord, I believe that many of us would just sit here and cry out that we want to be attentive to your spirit, but I believe the truth is, is if we truly were attentive, would we really listen to what your spirit convicts us to do, Lord? Would we turn around and go back the other direction when the spirit convicts us of a need that's on the side of the road or someone who's broke down or someone who is hungry, Lord? Lord, I pray that we be known as folks that do indeed do that, Lord. I pray that we do um, willingly turn around, Lord. Lord, I pray that we just do simple things that are just uh, practical, like waking up 30 minutes earlier to leave to where we got to go so we have the time to stop and just or take notice of the many people around us within our community, Lord, so we can do something, so we're not so so busy in such a rush so where we just forget that there are other people who exist with other struggles out there, Lord. Lord, we thank you so much for all the favor you have shown us within this school, within this county, Lord. Um, We do not take that for granted, Lord. Lord, I pray that we do not look at the favor you've uh, shown us and just take it for granted. Lord, I also pray that it isn't something that we use to um, become complacent either, Lord. Lord, I pray that it's something that motivates us to continue to do your work and to expand your kingdom, Lord. Lord, I pray for the people in this school. I pray for the teachers and the staff. I pray that you show them the same favor, Lord. Lord, I also pray the same thing for all the rest of the schools within this community. Lord, I also pray as you have opened the doors for us that you have here, Lord, I pray that you continue to do so throughout the other schools and throughout other places within this community, Lord. Lord, um, as I sit here and I pray and I think, Lord, I can't help but to think about the many people who live in uh, places and locations here in Caroline that don't have any access to any grocery stores, to any places to buy food, Lord. Lord, I pray that there be someone in this place that you raise up and you call out to go and just somehow meet that need, if it be me or someone else. Lord, I also think about the many elderly people within this community that don't have the ability, or they're just widows, Lord, that don't have the ability to do the simple mundane tasks around their homes, Lord. Lord, I pray that not just this church, but the church raises up and meets needs and is reminded of the obligation that we have to to meet the needs of those widows, Lord, that don't have anyone else. Lord, I also pray, as Adam did, for the families and for the children, Lord, Lord, we know that uh, we can go out here and we can um, labor for you, but we know that the front lines are in the homes, Lord. Lord, it starts then. I believe that it's truly significant throughout your word that you use families, Lord. Lord, I pray that we look at that and we are reminded of how significant the family is and that the men will be leaders and the women will um, support them and also lead as well, Lord. Lord, um, again, I just pray that our heart breaks for what breaks yours. Lord, I pray that it breaks so much that it's just we go out here and just urgently seek to do your will and to seek those people in need. Lord, uh, as the quote said in Spurgeon, just, it just resonated well with me when it came down to those people. If they go to hell, let them come with us dragging at their feet, just holding on to their legs, Lord. Lord, I pray that that be 
what we're known for here at Ladysmith. Lord, I pray that that not just be what we're known for, but the church becomes more known for. I pray that um, revival begins. If it has to begin here, I pray that you equip us and then lead us in the way that we do so and lead that revival within this community and within the surrounding communities, Lord. Lord, I pray also... Um, for the many people and the many children who live in homes who have parents who uh, suffer from addictions and everything else, Lord, Lord, we know that, Lord, I pray you have the power to set anyone free, no matter how deep what an addiction or a problem is, Lord, Lord, I pray that you will um, send people in their lives, Lord, that can lead them to the, the well that they can drink from and that will quench their thirst, Lord. Lord, I pray that they'll somehow have the people in their lives and their hearts will be softened for when they do encounter those people so they may receive the word and they may find the water that truly thirsts, I mean, quenches their thirst. Lord, um, as we go out of this place and we speak of missions and everything within this community, I pray that everyone in this place knows that um, while the task is great, it just starts with a simple thing. Just doing something, just going. I think it's so significant that your great commission starts with a two-letter simple word, just to go, Lord. Lord, I pray that what we, that's what we be known for. I pray that's exactly what we do, and I pray that we do it with urgency. I pray that we revere you so much, Lord, and we fear you so more, much that we just go out here with urgency, Lord, and intentionality, and just seek anything that we can do to serve people, not just, just share with our words, but also share with our lives and our deeds, Lord. Lord, um, I just pray that you continue to bless us, bless these people as, I, as they go out here and they seek ways in which they can serve, Lord. Lord, I pray that those ways they serve do not come back void. I pray that um, you just continue to use us the way you have, Lord. And Lord, again, I just pray that it doesn't become something that we use to be complacent. I pray that it becomes something that we use to motivate us to just keep on charging into battle, Lord. And also I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you that though you are sinless and perfect, that you love us so much that you sacrificed your son so that we could have a relationship with you. I thank you that you desire for us to talk to you. And I thank you that you listen I thank you that in your sovereignty, you are always working, even when we don't understand. And I want to pray today for people all over the world that have listened to your Holy Spirit as you have moved in their lives and shown them that you want them to go to places that are often very difficult to be a light to share your love with people that are blind and perhaps have never heard. I thank you that you move in each one of our lives and that you have a purpose for us. And I ask that you would help me and each one of us to be faithful to listen to your Holy Spirit as you prompt us so that we can be faithful in our sinfulness, that we can do the best we can because of your power to be a light wherever you place us. And so I pray for these missionary families. 
I know that Satan would like nothing better than to destroy them because then he can try to discredit the message that they bring. And so I pray for the marriages of these missionaries that you would protect them. Lord, that you would help them to grow stronger together in the challenges that they face. And that as they show love to each other and forgiveness, that it would be a picture of the grace and the love that you show to us. I pray for their children. I know firsthand some of the challenges that can face a missionary kid. It is such a blessing to grow up in that home, but it also can be very hard. So I pray that you would protect those kids that they would see that they also can have a a ministry in the culture that their parents are called to. Lord, I pray as a family unit that together they would strive to serve you with all their heart. Lord, I pray for the discouragement and the loneliness that they can often feel. Lord, that you would bring truth to their mind from scripture that they would trust you, that you will provide for them what they need, that you would bring people into their lives that can encourage them and come alongside them. And Lord, I also pray that they would know that there are people praying for them. Lord, many of us might not be able to go physically, although I think we should all be open to that but we can certainly pray. Forgive me for not praying as much as I should. Lord, help us to be faithful, to remember that you use prayer and that you work mysteriously, we don't understand, but that you ask us to talk to you and bring needs to you and that you are faithful and you are good. In Jesus' name. Father, I confess to you that my knees do not have the calluses of hours spending in prayer, praying for the needs of others. God, break our hearts for the lost. Matthew 16, 18, Jesus said, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. God, may we live under that power that your Holy Spirit lives in us. Father, may we not be your creatures of comfort, but Lord, remembering the calling that we have. We thank you that 2,000 years later, Lord, that we live in a country that the gospel spread to, that we have a lot of wonderful blessings. But God, it doesn't stop here. It doesn't end with us. Thank you that we as a church get to be part of that great commission to go and make disciples of all nations. That as a church we can send, that we can go, and that we can pray, and that we can provide financial support for those who are on the field throughout the world. All walks of life, Lord, that they minister to, the rich, the poor, serving in closed nations. I'm reminded of the book God's Smuggler and Brother Andrew, who in the 1950s, got books across the border, word spread Europe, communist-controlled countries, 
how you blessed and gave him favor as your word spread to those closed areas. And even today, people serving their lives on the line every day. Not for their comfort, not for themselves, Lord, but to see your word go forward. So we pray for those who are on the field. We pray for those serving in hard countries, closed-door countries. As those go out and new candidate classes and have to learn new languages and deal with the challenges of communication. Lord, living a completely different lifestyle. Again, not out of comfort. Not because that they're seeking to be comfortable here. But Lord, they want to serve you and they want to see others come to know you. Break our hearts for the lost. We get so caught up in ourselves. We get so caught up in making our little empires about us. Lord, we know our time is short. And these people who are on, on the field have laid it all on the line for you and said, wherever and whatever, whatever the cost. Lord, we pray for those serving we, as they serve on the public streets or in the, in the homes and deal with persecution, busy cities, wherever it may be. I think of Pam's sister and brother-in-law in Brazil, and as they serve in full-time ministry for two-plus decades, Lord, in the lives that they have touched, in the churches that they have planted, God, you're doing a great work in Brazil there. And I also think of Pam's cousin who's serving and, and doing wonderful things in the secular field of agriculture and what he's doing in Kosovo to help those who are poor learn how to grow crops so that they can provide for themselves. And as he's training others to do the same, serving in, in a secular field, but Lord, sharing the gospel and working with communities and working with the politicians and working with, with uh, the churches and doing a great work. God, wherever those callings may be, wherever they serve, protect them. Use them for your, your glory, your honor. We have, a, we have a purpose, Lord, to see your gospel go forward. So we pray for for these missionaries, Lord, they'll be faithful to your word through temptation, through suffering, through health challenges. God, that, that Satan would not discourage them. Lord, that they'll stay committed to the task you've given them. Lord, that as they deal with the same challenges we do in our walk, the spiritual warfare, the things that Satan throws at them, the doubts. And Lord, we know, as John O. mentioned, in spiritual battle, it gets hard, and we have to pray. When we're comfortable, we don't need it. <laughs> but when we're engaged and committed, God, we have to walk in lockstep with you. May your Holy Spirit open doors, open hearts across this globe to hear truth and be receptive. We think of Acts and see just the amazing work with the, the disciples and apostles as, as the Holy Spirit was poured out and the thousands that came to know you and as the church began and as the gospel flourished. It's in your power that we trust. We pray for that to happen. It's not anything we can do. We can only be faithful with the message. But we pray for your Holy Spirit to open hearts. Help them to be perseverant, Lord through the challenges, through the discouragement, through the struggles, dealing with people, 
being prideful and the selfishness and the sin that is pervasive all across the world, Lord, they deal with challenges as well to help them to persevere, to deal with the persecution. Lord, help them also to multiply, to grow more churches, to see other churches planted, and to continue to get into those areas of the world. Lord, there are places that have not even been reached yet. Those translating the word, we've translated the word in such a small number of dialects and languages. There are tribes out there as we pray for monthly for those groups that uh, have not heard the gospel. May we not forget about them as we sit at home in our comfort and, and soak in the blessings that you have so wonderfully poured out on us, but we can't stay here. Make us uncomfortable. Push us out. Help us to be proactive and on the offensive so that the gates of hell will not stand against the church. We love you. Thank you for your grace, your mercy. We don't deserve any of it. But we love you so much for it in Christ's name. Father, would you teach us how to pray? Would you teach us that um, if we're going to follow you, um, we're going to advance your kingdom, God, we have to take a, a position of a servant. You said the greatest is that of a slave. Would you position our hearts in such a way that our souls are humble before you? Father, we desperately cry out. God, please don't let us play church. As already has been mentioned, God, we're in a war. And God, we would not stick our weapons in the ground or the dirt and act foolish. But God, we would take up arms spiritually. And every day, God, we understand we need to be about your business. I think about Jesus when he was here on earth. The only time we saw him with a righteous anger was that moment at the temple where he turned over the money changers. And he said they had turned his, his father's house of prayer into a, a den of thieves. God, please, God, make this a place of prayer. Let it never, ever be a place that would not glorify you. God, let our lives represent that. God, I just think about what you're trying to do in the community, and God, I know you are working. God, would you give us that discernment to know where and when and to join you in your work? God, we do not want to go in a direction that you're not calling. So, Father, I just pray you would show us where you're working, and we would join you. God, we know that you love the people in this community even more than we do. And God, you're advancing your kingdom. God, would you allow us to be a part of it? I know when disciples ask you how to pray, this is what you said, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. 
your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. God, let our hearts be in a posture of prayer. Let our souls, God, be in a position of humility. Father, we love you. In Jesus' name. Hey, guys, um, I know this morning uh, was a lot different than maybe a normal church service, but we feel like this is absolutely uh, vital um, that we don't just talk about prayer, that we actually make it um, significant in our time of corporate prayer. Did I leave my glasses down over there? Okay, because I can't see. (laughs) Thanks. Uh, You'll be here a lot longer than you thought. Um, um, You guys should all have gotten one of these in your seat, the 21 days of prayer and fasting. And uh, if you're not on an email list, you can, if you have a pen, you can write this down. Uh, Write down admin, A-D-M-I-N at spotswoodls.org, or you can go to our website and find a way to contact us uh, through the admin email and get put on that. We want you to join us in this. This is um, electronically. You can sign up for morning, noon, or night. We ask you at least to pray during that time. But we also, if you would consider to prayer and fast a meal or a whole day or multiple meals, uh, would you do that and, and take this with you? We have an electronic co- copy on our webpage as well. You can download that on your phone. And if you're at work, you don't have to um, pull that out. You can just have it on your phone. And listen, we all have time that we can redeem. Some of those are on our way to work. Uh, sometimes you're on a train or you're on a commute van or you've got some time to redeem. And I ask you, keep your eyes open while you drive, okay? But take this opportunity to pray. You know, one of the things, great thing you could do is actually record it yourself, um, the things you need to pray over, and then you can just hit the, the play button when you're driving so you'll remember what to pray about. Um, I know guys have done that. So I ask you to join up. Many of you are joined up, so please do that. If for some reason you um, struggle electronically, um, just email our admin, and, and she will get you signed up, all right? Father in heaven, thank you so much for our day. God, thank you for your work that you're doing. And God, I just pray that all the funds that are given today and in the future will go to advance your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. This has been the weekly podcast from Spotswood at Lady Smith in Caroline County, Virginia, USA. These podcasts are available on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Google Play. You can also find the video version of the podcast on our YouTube channel. Just go to spotswoodls.org and click the YouTube link. Thanks for listening, and God bless you.